Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Apernio, an achievement acceleration company whose approach to professional development enables clients to gain insights and perspectives to live, work, and engage with more success. You have had and are having an amazing life. And like like all of us, sometimes something has to happen for us to be able to appreciate our life or we get caught up in focusing on what's not happening in our life. What do you share for people out there that are getting caught a little bit in the what's not happening in their lives right now? How would you help them with that? Yeah, and I, I get that. I, I've got, I think, you know, I had this discussion. I've had that situation happen a few times. And, and you know, and I'll share a little story because this is sort of what brought it to light for me. Where I'm sitting right here at my desk, my, my, I got a phone call from my wife. She got a phone call from some neighbors, needed some help, getting her TV on. And my wife said, can you go down and help them get their TV on? Now, A, I'm pretty good at getting TVs on. That's a, that's a skill set that I've got, right? But secondarily, I, like I said, I grew up in a time where you respected elders and you do anything for your neighbors, gotcha. right? Yeah. I mean, I know nowadays that may not be the case. And that's unfortunate. I think that's one of the downfalls we're having right now is people aren't taking care of other people. And I went down and there were two older, older ladies, probably just 75, 80 years old, right? And it wasn't that difficult. It took me a couple seconds, but they asked me to stay for milk and cookies. And I love milk and cookies, right? I mean, I, I love them. Plus, they're older ladies who probably baked a few cookies in their life, right? So they're probably pretty good at it. So as they're getting milk and cookies together, and I was, and they have a part, had a parlor on their front, they had a parlor. And I see these old, beautiful old chairs in there, and they had this table with books on them. And I was looking through the books, and they had some pictures of World War II in there. And I, I, was, I was like, wow, I had seen these pictures, right? It's like, I love history. And I asked them where they got it. And they said, we were there, and they rolled up their sleeves to show me the numbers and arms down, numbers down their arms. Wow. They survived the concentration camp. Yeah. They lost their entire family. And I asked them if I could record the story because they were so old. I'm like, yeah. I can't, I can't let this story die. But they told they wouldn't let me record, but they told me the story for the next few hours on how they survived the concentration camp. And it blew my <clears throat> blew my mind, right? I never talked to anybody that survived something like that. So I, I came back, I called the person I was writing the book. Stu and I were working on it. I said, Cindy, I got it. This is you know, I figured out these late, all these moments in her life mattered, right? And that's how I came with my, my book title. But the reason I share that story is not to tell you a great story, but when I get these calls, and I get these calls occasionally, I got it, you know, I, I mentioned, I think I told you about five or six years ago when I was coming back from Savannah, Georgia. Got it. I was in the car, got a call from the guy, said, you got to help this lady. So what do you mean? How can I help her, right? She had been to survive an avalanche in Nepal, one of four people who survived, she locked herself up in a cabin in northern Ontario, won't come out. I know her. Can you talk to her? I said, well, yeah, I know what I can offer, but I'll talk to her. So he said, well, you, you survived a plane crash. She's got a little notoriety. Maybe, so whatever. So I get on the call with her, and, yeah, she's pretty locked down. Hmm. I said, okay, can I, let me give me a day. Let me call you back tomorrow. So then I worked my little magic through all my connections because it comes to relationships to somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody in Ethiopia. 
and he arranged the call for us. So the next go, like maybe two days later, maybe I get this call set up, and and she's like blown away because this gentleman basically has to scrap every day for food. And what I learned out of that situation was I gave her a different perspective. I said, you know, you think you got a bad? This guy every day has to scrape. I said, do you survive? I told I said, you survive for a reason. It's like I survived for a reason. You could have been dead, but you're not. This gentleman over here has to every day do something just to survive. And you don't. Was he homeless? I don't know. I mean, he's, he, he lives in a village in Ethiopia. I, I haven't talked to him in four or five, six years. Gotcha. Yeah. But I, I started doing that. I started hooking up people. And I get these calls, I'll find somebody who's got a bad, bad worse situation. Okay. They may have may, may survived cancer, right? Right. So what I realized, Larry, out of this is one of the ways I can help people is I can show people a contrast huh. to what's okay. going on. Okay. And the second thing I talk about a lot is the meaning you attach to something produces the emotion of your life. Gotcha. I help them help them show them how to reframe the meanings or have it. Okay. So they can now, you know, like it's people, whatever emotion you're having, this is why the emotion last year was so high. As soon as you heard something about social justice, emotions, it's all emotions, not much logic. It went to anything, right? Yeah. It's all emotional because they attach to different meaning, right? Whether you're on one side or the other side. You bet. So that's one of the reasons I do what I do and how I help people when they, uh, Go see what I call their turmoils of life, and I help people turn their turmoils into triumph. Very, very well said. But let's pause for a minute on the word meaning. People need to understand, I think all of us do, that meaning can also be called a belief, and they dictate behavior. You, you didn't have to say, oh, I, gee, I wish I believed in something greater than self, because this would be a good situation to be able to utilize that. I mean, you already had the belief. And so those some beliefs can take a lifetime to build, or they can take a moment, as you mentioned. So talk a little more about the, the power that people put on meaning. See, one of the things I've, I, I understand what you're saying, I think, one of the things that I, I'll give a personal experience, I think one of the reasons I, I, how I could do it is because I work on what's called neuroassociative conditioning, right? I, when I see something, I can associate things quickly. That's what this means that, this means that. That's why um, I look back pre-January, on January 14th, 2009, okay. while I was probably pretty judgmental because I put a meeting very quickly. That, okay, my dad said these, these, are, these are hippies out there smoking dope and they're, they're crazy people, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, until you get to sit down and talk to them, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and so, so I think because you have to you have to change and reframe that means like, you know what? Yeah, maybe they had they were a little crazy back then, but you know, what I've learned is they had they have a reason they're doing it. I mean, I agree with it, but I could change, I associate a different meaning that quickly. So one of the things we I think the one of the biggest powers we all have is we all have the power to make those decisions and how to reframe and and also look at how we can change those meanings. Yes. You know, and change our belief systems. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, I mean, I'll be very candid. You know, I, I grew up in the sixties. I don't know when you grew up, but, and I, my wife and I, we had this discussion the other night back then you smoked dope. You were, you were a crazy person. You were a drug addict. Right. Right. I mean, it was, I mean, that was about as worst thing you can get is you're a a pothead. They they developed a movie called reefer madness. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
So you had a belief coming through that is like, I can't smoke dope because I don't want to be a pothead. Right? right? Yeah. That's the association yeah. I had. Yeah. And you start realizing and seeing some different things is, you know what? Maybe this can help some people. You know, as long as they don't drive or do something crazy. Yeah. And now I see these kids, I say, you know what? As long as they don't drive or do something crazy, you know, it's not hurting anybody. That would have never happened 45 years ago. You got it. Never happened. What about so the meaning? Change beliefs, the meanings. What do you do with people who have a meaning that I'm not worthy? Yeah, I'm so all enough. I'm not short enough. I'm these type of meanings. What do you, how do you assist people with that? That's interesting you say that because I, I liken that because everybody's got this, what I call the primary question they have, right? They all have a primary question that runs in their heads. You know, why does this always happen to me? Or I'm not. I'm not good enough to do this, right? And this is this revolves in their head. So, you know, and it's, it just keeps coming naturally to you. So, you know, how can you change your primary question, right? If it's, I mean, if it's so embedded in you, how do you change it? And that's that's what I talk to people about. This is how you change the meanings. Is how you change your primary question. So, why does this always happen to me? You know, this happened to me for a reason and a purpose, and it serves me. A reason and a purpose, and it serves. And it serves me. Gotcha. And I. And I I, I had this discussion, in fact, with Tony. We were sitting in a jacuzzi in Fiji about this one, this topic right here we're talking right. about. And he's the one who sort of opened my mind to that. It's yeah. because, you know, and he told me, and he's right. And this is why I so powered on this. Is, you know, you can do anything, right? You know, this happened to me for a reason. Great. But it serves me. Gotcha. Now okay. you make it personal, right? Okay. Everything happens for a reason, and it serves me. So when I add that little at the end, it puts in my head, okay, it may not be positive right now, but this will serve me sometime. And that's what happened that day on the Hudson River. There's so many things that worked in my life that probably, you know, I didn't feel good about, right? Yeah. But they were there for a reason. Because okay. they had to prepare me for that moment, that defining moment of our lives, which everybody has. Right. Everybody's got a defining moment. I mean, you might have many defining moments, but I think everybody's got at least one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So... I don't want to be obtuse here, but uh, I'm sometimes a little thick. Okay. You got someone whose primary meaning is I'm not worthy. And that so that serves them. Mm -hmm. How does that serve them? Well, I think the reason that it serves them is because they get all the pity, they get all, all the significance on themselves. Gotcha. And it comes down to the six human needs that I talk about. Okay. Right? And... And, there's, and you probably know the six human needs, the need for certainty or control, the need for variety or uncertainty, the need for significance or it's all about me, or the need for love and connection, the need for growth, and the need for contribution. We all have these needs. Every one of us has each one of these needs. But everybody, every one of us has one primary need. Gotcha. gotcha. And I, for, I tell you, I'll be very candid. For many years, especially when I was in sales, specifically in sales, I was achievement-driven, significance-driven. I've got to be the guy getting the trophy every month. Gotcha. The problem when you do that, when you, it's all about you, is you block everybody else out. And Without you don't have that connection, that. right? Yeah. You can't build. So that's, that's why I say when some people who have, the, and I call it the PLO me, or poor little old me process, right? It's all, yep. it's all about me. And so everybody's, oh my God, it's all about you. Well, now you're empowering them to keep going in that direction. You bet. You bet. You know? how, do you, how do you help someone recognize that? Well, you know, it's all starts with asking questions, but can't we, you know, I, I, I have, my, my, some of my kids would go, my kids go through this, right? 
you know, dad, this, you know, oh, this COVID thing happened. I didn't get able to, I can graduate with my friends, you know, oh my God, I, I couldn't go out and do my interview. I lost my internship. Oh, poor, poor little me. Yeah. And I told my daughter, I said, yep. But look, let's look at the other side of the equation. You're, you're living in a house. I'm buying all your food. You have no expenses. All you have to do is stay focused and, and look at getting a job. Yes, you didn't get to walk in graduation. All right. There's some people that never walked in graduation because they can't walk. Oh, okay. So, you know, yeah. once again, it goes back to giving the proper perspective. And, and so, contract again. Contract. It's like, you know, listen, it wasn't good for any of us, right? Some people grew, some people didn't, yeah. right? Yeah. It's all in the way you approached it. And I approached it as a, this is a great opportunity for me to serve a higher level. So, I think you're so. You're so right on when you talk about serving it for a higher level, not serving at a higher level, serving for a higher level. And when you get into culture in a company, you, you, one that embraces associates, you get into them having the opportunity to be a part of something greater than self. So it can, it can happen in a lot of different ways. As you put your head on the pillow and you have those evenings when you're kind of like, Wow, look at my life now. What are you most proud of? And I don't want to get into the deadly sin proud, but what are you most nice job, Dave? What is what is that come to mind when you say to self, nice job, Dave? Um I would go back to something my mom taught all of our kids, all her kids, me, my sister, and brother, and because she would not accept the word can't okay. in our house. Okay. Yep. You said can't, and my mom said, if you can't do it, you're going to do it. So you never said the word can't. So I, I, I believe not only served me that day, but going forward, I never heard, I, I never believed in the word can't. So okay. therefore, I always can't. And, and it comes down to perseverance and focus. Next, I was talking about focused execution resourcefulness and gratitude. Those are the three things that I, this is what I talk about. You want to hear, hear me talk? I'll talk for hours, but it comes down to those three things, right? Because right. I never believe in the word of can't. You never hear me say it. Yeah. Unless yeah. I'm saying it like this. Mm-hmm. So I believe a good star starts with that. I sit down like, you know, that day I didn't have any control. Only thing I could control is this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wasn't flying the plane, right? The plane's going down the river. I made some choices, like I'm going to back of the plane to help people, right? Which put me in a situation where I'm now back in chest leap deep water, right? But, yeah, I heard my mom say there's no such word as can't, right? Yeah. So, you know. So there wasn't any hesitation on your part. No, I, you know, I heard my mom say, you know, she said, if you do the right thing, God will take care of it. So she gave me, and the way I looked at that later on, like, she's sitting at the left hand of God right now. Gotcha. I'm not. Yeah. Maybe she's clued into some things. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. But if my mom, I can tell my wife, and my wife hates when I say this, my mom was never wrong. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. She may have been wrong, but I never saw it. Right. So if she's always been right in my mind, in my belief system, my mom was right. And if I did the right thing, whatever the right thing was for me, I'll be okay. Yeah. Someone will take care of me. Right? Yeah. And I believe that's what happened because I had no fear at that point. What fantastic insights we are getting into in this episode. If this resonates with you and is provoking and of value, 
please consider the best-selling book of Get a Vision and Live It by your host, Larry Olson, at Apernio.com. His book has been an inspiration to many of Mindset Playbook's guests, and you'll find everything you need to live the best version of your life now. The results you'll get will absolutely amaze you. Find the book at Apernio.com in the shop. And now, let's get back. You won't want to miss what's to come in this episode of Mindset Playbook. A lot of people don't know this, but you and I had probably one of the most wonderful 55 minutes I've had in in a lifetime next to what we're going through right now. And that's when we did a podcast, a Zoom experience together. And at the end, I realized that something major had taken place, and that was I had not pushed the record button. And then when I rethought it, yes, I had pushed the record button, but Zoom requires you another step after that which was where do you want it recorded to? But I was so enamored by you and excited about the podcast that I just got into the conversation. And this, is, this tells you a lot about this man you're listening to because his time is so valuable. And, and I'm not saying that our time is not valuable. Everyone out there listening's time is valuable. But there's a certain amount of money that can be attached to it because he can be doing a speaking engagement. He can be working for the Red Cross, helping them exceed the 14 million that he helped them in his donating his time for that. And yet when we got done and you remember this, Dave, and I said, um, wow, I don't believe this. And you go, what? And I go, um, I didn't record it. And you go, what does that mean? And I goes, it means you and I are the only people in the history of man who ever heard that. He goes, huh. <laughs> so I don't know what was going through your mind, but I was just, I don't think I ever felt worse. I got off and I went in, my wife said, how'd it go? And I went, you're not going to believe this. It was horrid. I was awful about how I felt because I had let you down and I had let the audience down and, and I'd let myself down because that's not how I wanna show up in life. And here's what this guy says. He, he doesn't say, sorry, last chance. He goes, well, we're gonna to have to do it again. I've been talking to my admin at 4.30 this afternoon, we'll figure out another time. And here we are. So you are a testament to one that does not let the past interfere with what the opportunities are ahead. And from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for that. And I wanted to share it with the audience So, and you, so you don't not tell a story because you think, well, Larry's already heard that one. Not that you don't have plenty. But David, thank you so much for, for this opportunity. And I went out of my way to make sure that we recorded this time. We even had my wife. Yeah, he said you hit the button. I checked first before I said a word. He does have the red button on. So thank you so much. For but that was so grateful of, of, of you. And um, it's such a testament to a guy that perceived himself as being so egocentric and that I've got to win the trophy and I'll, it doesn't matter what happens for me to do it. And to that whole spin, and I, 
did you recognize when you made that transition that 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 was who you really were, not the guy that had to get the trophy? Yeah, I I, I think what it really came about is when I started my work with the Red Cross. Okay, okay. and I had a bigger calling because you know I did that. I still do it out of my heart. I don't I take I don't take any money from the Red Cross. And tell people why you're so involved in the Red Cross. Well. There's a few different reasons, but number one, they were there on the uh, right at the coast, at the dock when I, the boat came up, and I, they helped me. Tell them about the water temperature. And the- yeah, my water temperature was 36 degrees. Air temperature was 11 degrees. I've been in the water for seven minutes. But two EMTs and a Red Cross associate carried me and helped me get to the triage center. And then later on that that day, I had no clothes because they took all my clothes because they were soaking wet. Uh, somebody from the Red Cross when I got some sweats for me to wear, so I had something to wear. But then the next day when I got back, the CEO of the Red Cross in Charlotte was with my family taking care of them. So I had three Red Cross experiences in a matter of 14, 18 hours, somewhere in those hours, right? And that told me something. And I said, so I, from this point on, I want to give back. Mm. You know, if they asked me to do something, I told her, I told Pat, give me a call. I'll show And I did. She said, I need your help. We're doing our annual fundraiser, and we're below our numbers. Can you come out and just talk? I said, of course, Pam. I'll do anything for you, right? So I came out and talked, and all of a sudden, the numbers went from about 200 people to about 450 people in the room, and they exceeded their number. Good. And that's the, gave me the juice to say, you know what? I can add value. Okay. So that's why I've spoken over 170 Red Cross events and helped raise over $14.7 million, because, and I don't take a cent for it. Yeah, yeah I, I do, my book Moments Matter, they got 10% of every one of those books that were sold. I, I gave 10% to them. So here it is, whatever it was, right? Yeah. And might, it might have been $100 a day. It might have been 2000 next week, whatever it was. Yeah. But I think they were appreciative of that too Absolutely. because they don't get any funding. And they could use me as, as somebody who could share the story from somebody who was in the situation, right? Who survived. Yeah. And I could tell the Red Cross, because not only that, I gave blood. Of over 130 some blood pints of blood, so I have the whole story. So that's why I do it, Larry. Yeah, that that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and I I um I wanted to just touch a moment on this. How excited are you about the new book that you're writing, and why? I'm ecstatic. Uh, number one, I've got book number three is done, and we're now in the re-editing mode. And I this is about the story about Bill about how he came into my life and the lessons he taught me and how he taught me. But it's also about those lessons my mom and dad taught me and how they started coming about. So it, it's, I'm really excited about this book because uh, it, it, it shares insights going back to 1929. It tells a story not only how powerful mentorship is to somebody, but these lessons aren't new. Yeah. But sometimes you just need something to trigger it, right? You bet. You see somebody to sort of, so that's what this book's about. In my book I'm writing right now, uh, it's from Turbo to Triumph. It's about from January 16, 2009 on, because what people don't understand, they, they see Dave's on TV and Dave's doing this and always oh, out raising money, but they don't see the roller coaster. Okay. Okay. They didn't see the turmoil that was really going on behind the scenes. There is one. My team told me, said, it's time to tell it. Because what I want people to get out of this book is this. The turmoils we all went through last year, all right? People like me have been through them. I want to share the strategies on how I overcame the turmoil after a plane crash. When everything was going down, you're within seconds of your life. 
and then you'd be able to rebound. But the rebound isn't straight up. The rebound is like this. Gotcha. Okay. That's what this book's about. So I'm, I'm ecstatic about both of these books, and I can't wait to get them because this is going to be like the trilogy, Larry. Moments Matters that day. You know, the my story about Bill is about the prequel, like the Star Wars one, two, three, and the Turmoil Triumphs, like the latest saga with Star Wars, right? The post Empire, right? So uh, I, I like it to that, but no, I'm, I'm truly ecstatic about it, and I'm really blessed to be able to have a team that uh, understands the mission, who is in, who is into the mission, and wants to make sure this mission is fully succeeded. So, what would your what would your people say that work with you? and for you about how their boss treats them? Well, I don't look at myself as a boss. I look, we're all team members. We all have something to add. Gotcha. And one of the things that I look for and people who I get around, because this has been a challenge for me. I'll be very candid. I rarely set boundaries until lately. Because okay. uh, I need people around me who understand and buy into the mission, understand the big picture, where we're going with this thing. And I've had people, and you probably have people in your life that, are there for other reasons. Okay. Right? Yeah. Give you an example. I, you know, I told you I'm looking for 10 people that I want to teach this to. I've had, I tell people I'm going to, we're going to immersion. This will be a year and there's going to be a cost to it because you know what? I want to make sure you're all in. I've had people say, why don't you just give it to us right now? And, you know, I'll do it with you for a year, but I don't want to pay. Uh, and I was like, but you also, the commitment is this. You have to go out and teach 10 people yourself. Well, I don't, but you're not, you're not committed to the mission there. Yeah. So my team, I think, would say is Dave understands his mission. We all buy into the mission, and we're going to help him achieve the mission. And we're all going to benefit not only financially, but more importantly, we're going to, we're going to have a bigger understanding of why we do what we do and how we can serve at a higher level. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know, I, I think that everyone who is listening to this right now is recognizing that you have not taken advantage of the situation, but capitalized and utilized the learnings to, to make something greater take place. And every one of us has had our own plane crash. What do you recommend or suggest that we kind of reposition that in our mind? How, how, how do you, you talked about the recovery is a roller coaster. You know, you're going to have your highs and your lows as you're, as you're reaching mission and your vision. And, um, and some people get stuck in the trough. They get stuck in the low point and they start to make that reaction global that this is going to, this is the rest of my life, not knowing that they're going to be coming out of that. What is your, what is your advice or mentoring for that situation? Well, thank you. Because first number one, nothing is permanent except death taxes that's it yes. so i tell people you know and you're right some people have these global beliefs yes and it's always going to be this way well number one it's not we've seen if nothing is last year has proven nothing every moment of every day now something's changing right so mm -hmm. nothing is permanent but second to sort of address something you said earlier um because i had people i had other passengers i had people coming what you shouldn't be making money off this you shouldn't be doing this right there's only somebody else who needs to be do this. You, what gives you the right to do this? And I, I, I was challenged with that for a while until I started thinking. It's like, you know what? You had the same opportunity that I did. You were 155 people. There's 155 stories out there. I, here's the difference. I took the opportunity because when God opens a door, 
he'll open the door for everybody, but he may not leave it open for you. If you don't take, you don't walk through it, that door's going to close. You may not give her that opportunity again. So I tell people, I said, you had the same opportunity as I have, right? I took advantage of it. I walked through the door because God gave me the door of opening. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell people, if you don't take that door opening, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. This means you didn't know you didn't go through the door, which means you may not get the same results, outcomes, you know, uh, feedback that somebody else does. Yeah. And, and I've not walked through doors in my life, but yeah. I don't shut them anymore either. I, if the door is open, I evaluate very quickly because that door is going to shut pretty quickly. Well, you know, you can also, we can also thank your mom for that because when she taught you, you couldn't use the word can't. That only left you with can, and can is another word for yes. And that's what most of us have to start doing more of now is saying yes to life. And we'll find ourselves in so many much greater situations. Sometimes we're uncomfortable. Sometimes we wonder whether we should have said it or not. But I heard once one time that there's no right or wrong decision. There's just decisions, and then you go about making them right or wrong. And you have been a testament to that, my friend. And I and I and I really, from the bottom of my heart, feel that you are my friend. And well, thank uh, you very much. Same here. Well, thank you, thank you, and and thank you again for for giving us your time. And um, thank you for hitting the record button. <laughs> yeah, right. No, there you go. You, see, you executed you. right. You executed. So look at it. Yep. <laughs> that was the only thing I missed last time. Was the execution? It's the execution. You could get you can get all the way up, right? And then when you have to hit the button, someone's got to hit the button. Somebody's got to hit the button. Someone's got to hit the button. Well, what would you like to share with everyone before we uh, we wrap this up? Well, I I appreciate that. I think um, yeah, I'm going to I'll be sharing some announcements here shortly because something that we just talked about came to me yesterday where I did say yes to something, and but it's I think it's going to be a bigger perspective, give people bigger bigger perspective on how to overcome these turmoils. And and I can't wait to announce this. I'm actually trying to get the details today, but I would say, you know, right now, um, you, you know, it's all about, it starts with gratitude. And I tell people, you can't have any fear if you have gratitude. And what is, people say, what is gratitude? I said, it's getting, you know, believing in something bigger than yourself. Giving thanks to something bigger than yourself. You may call it God, you may call it Jesus, you may call it Muhammad, you can call it whatever you want. But I think right now, I, t- I would coach people, I do coach people, is let's start with gratitude, right? Just be grateful because you know what? You and I are alive right now. There's 5 million people right now around this world are not alive because something happened, right? So somebody is looking down upon you to keep you around for a reason, right? Yeah. Take advantage of that opportunity. Don't just say, poor little old me, right? Yeah. You're here for a reason and a purpose. Mm-hmm. So... To take to take advantage of that, yeah. You may you may you may have lost your business. You may have lost your job. You may have lost uh, a lot of people have. But you know what? There's a lot of immigrants who come illegal immigrants who come across the border that started with nothing are now multimillionaires. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. there are there are patterns. There are strategies. Yeah. Find people who have the strategies and asking for help. Beautiful. Well, you've been very helpful to all of us and. Thank you again for being who you are. And for all of you listening out there, thank you for taking the time and recognizing that the opportunity is in front of you right now. And start practicing what Dave has taught us all and that there's no can't. There's only can 
and be a testament of what occurs in one's life when they live it on purpose. So thanks again, Dave Sanderson. I very much appreciate this opportunity. And thank you all for taking the time to listen. And uh, all the best and God bless. Join us for Larry's next guest, Dr. Terry Maffey, one of the premier plastic surgeons in Scottsdale. You'll learn about who gets plastic surgery and why, the importance of valuing your own appearance as well as what it's like to hold another person's self-image as well as self-esteem in your hands. You don't want to miss this one.